Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five star final, Jason Jones and Dirty South Soccer, Joe Patrick and Dirty South Soccer is over there. Say hey Joe. What what five star final? What is this? I, I I can't even remember exactly what we do here, but we are back to do it. We are back yeah. to do it. Um and do it extremely well and with style and grace and panache and gravitas and all sorts of other things. It's gonna be a good one. I can tell because we were looking up the roster to Atlanta United right before we started this. <laughs> that long, uh, <laughs> I think we've signed players like Luis Fernando. Who is this guy? Right, exactly, exactly. Like we we have vague ideas. We have vague ideas. Uh, but I, I think the general purpose of what this show will be, since it has been a second since we've been able to kind of get our stuff out of the way uh, with, with grad school and with the Braves braving and with all sorts of other things going on. It's been a second since we've been able to kind of get to it. Um, so, so I think we'll focus, uh, this will be your five stripe final playoff preview in a sense, before we kind of regularly start churning out as much content as we can for, for the playoffs. Hopefully it's content that lasts beyond one game, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let- Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But yeah, there's no real need to, I don't think, to go back and go through games or whatever that we've missed. Let's look forward. Let's look forward. Let's look forward. And let's start by looking backwards. I didn't tell you I was going to do that. Well, yeah. I guess we do have to do that for this particular... particular In order to look forward in this particular time, we do need to look backward. Because because it's the same team. It's the same team. It's the same exact team. And we talked a little bit after this one you were away from the stadium for that game i was in stadium correct and we both kind of came away with with different feelings on it i think which is interesting yeah. well i definitely think that the feelings i had are definitely like i don't want to say bias but they were like i knew the score i i knew that atlanta had won three to one before i watched the games and so i think that played a lot into the way i perceived the game which was in a more negative fashion i was more seeking moments of since I knew the team was going to win, I was seeking the moments of when they looked like they were exploited or vulnerable or whatever. And the chances that they gave up, which they did, they gave up a fair few. That's uh, kind of indisputable, but I may, I may have been underplaying just what they were creating. And I, I shouldn't because they did create some good stuff, but overall it just made me worried. I, I just felt like if they played that same way, they were going to leave themselves exposed for the, uh, in a playoff game. Yeah, and you might be right. You might be right. Um, The mistakes were bad. They were objectively bad, Uh, especially the one that comes to mind for me was Franco's. I don't even even want to call it a touch. He just kind of pulled it into the ball and tried to bring it down and kind of just gifted it to to Pania for for the revolution there. And it was an easy running on goal. And they should have scored at that point. But then they scored on the other mistake later. Um, so those things <laughs> yeah. are, are going to have to tighten up. You can't really, really get away with it the way they did on, uh, on a few weeks ago, I guess, or for a few days ago now anyway. Um, and that's just going to have to tighten up and it's going to have to tighten up with a reworked back line. It looks yeah. like. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I was going to say is like, it's going to, it's going to have to tighten up with some different players, I think, because, you know, now at this point going into a playoff game, I don't feel comfortable with Franco Escobar as a center back. I just don't, I hate to say that. And I think he's a good player too. I, I, I respect a lot what he brings to the table, but to me, it just is becoming more and more clear that he and Julian Gressel play the same position or they are kind of fighting for time at the same position at, at right wing back. I think that, it's clear that we've seen the best from Franco in that position. And, um, but you know, at the same time now Atlanta United, as of yesterday, we, it was reported that miles Robinson has a, has a hamstring injury that he suffered in training in a post game training session after the key. After what what does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) What is he doing? Uh, well, I think they, uh, to be per- to be honest, I, they do like these like session, like cool down sessions for player, or maybe not even cool down, but like for players that didn't play, I think they want to get their cardio in a little bit for the game to like keep everybody on the same path or whatever for fitness. And that must have oh. been when this happened. Anyway, um, you know, with him out of the play, with him out of the picture now, it, it, assume he is, assuming he is, um, which maybe that's assuming too much, but with a hamstring injury that forced him out of a camp. To be ready in one week is a stretch to me, but with him, if he's out, then maybe you're looking at Franco Escobar, but you know, it doesn't make me feel good. doesn't make me feel good. No, there's no way. There's also the option, I guess, too, that they go to, to back four in a sense and shift Franco over and start Parker's. There's, there's some weird questions here. It would look very, uh, very much like a 2018 Atlanta United kind of setup. I think if that happened, Um, there's a lot of, weird variables and that was not the case at the end of the game against the revolution a few days ago right like i came away from that game thinking that atlanta had had set themselves up to do pretty well in the playoffs and at least do well in the next in the the first round against the revolution again right like that they go up early and then give away the dumb goal and all the players kind of seem to concede that earlier in the year maybe even like a few weeks ago they would have capitulated a little bit. They would have self-immolated and, and really struggled to not only get back out in front, but to even hold on to the lead in the first place, right? Um, so that was encouraging to me to see that they had some confidence going into the playoffs, which is a totally different mentality than what they had going into the playoffs last year, right? right. Last yeah, year, yeah. they go into it with the big loss against Toronto, they lose a quarter shield on the last day. And while the world was falling at that point, we were freaking out on each other. They were regrouping. And I think to a man have kind of all said that that was the tipping point. That was the catalyst, right? Like this was the big thing. I think on the last day this year, they needed, they needed confidence, right? They needed mm-hmm. that kind of assurance that they could be, a little more pragmatic. Uh, they didn't need the motivation. They just needed to, to understand that they could do it, right? right. And so you kind of see that a little bit with them getting up and then shifting to a back four for about the last 30 minutes of that game, which added a couple of defenders in and, and really, you know, you had an extremely defensive lineup out there at some point with, with Lorena what's in there, with Parkhurst in there. It was so, uh, well, that, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask you because I watched this game once. It was late at that Sunday night. I hadn't had a long day that day. Um, the, uh, who was the left back in, in, in when they went to the back four? What, what did the back line look like? Oh, gosh. Oh, Do you I'm remember? To, um, I, know, I know Flo was out there doing something. 
Oh, so it was um, probably him. It was probably, okay. I think he probably would have been the left back. In I a think back that's four. right. I think that's right. And then Lorenz would drop in. Um, it was essentially a 4 1, and then whatever other numbers you want to throw up top there. Um, I do just worry about going to a back four because it's something that the team hasn't really done a ton of. So it's, it, would, it would be an interesting ploy if they were to all of a sudden unleash that on New England. Uh, just, just something they haven't done a lot of recently. They have done it, of course, before this season. And I thought it was interesting what Frank DeBoer had to say uh, after the game, saying that he wants his team to be able to do that next season. Uh, he wants them to be able to go back and forth between a three and a four in game, which I think we have seen this team do a little bit in its in this team's history. That's the word. Uh, yeah. In the first season, you know, we saw that a little bit with Jeff Lauren and what's dropping into that back line and doing a little bit that, bit of that. So I think that's an interesting uh, little development. I did want to say something, you know, just you talking about wanting that confidence going in. I feel like under Tata, the team felt like and probably showed that it had played like at its peak or close to its peak and was just kind of tearing teams up um, at some point that se- uh, that season. And I feel like this season, this team team just has never felt like it's hit its, its peak yet. So it kind of needed, the, yeah, this different little um, dynamic going into the going into the playoffs. And I think it's under or under talked about how down that team was last season going into that first game, just coming mm-hmm. off that rebels game, man, I remember going to the training ground. I think it was the first day of training that week after they lost the red bull game, they didn't train outside. They only did a weightlifting session, which was just bizarre uh, or it just seemed bizarre to, to be right. there. And for that to have been the case. And uh, I just remember it was like cold and rainy and Tata gave this speech about how, um, you know, every team you needed to make like sl- small incremental steps every season. And, you know, almost like he was preparing for like another loss or something. I don't know. It was bizarre. And um, I don't get the sense of that team. This, you know, the team seems more upbeat. It seems like the guys feel like things are going right for them. Like getting, getting Joseph healthy kind of feels like a, you know, blessing from the soccer gods. Uh, of course, the Miles Robinson thing play, it, it plays a little differently, but I don't know. There's just a different feeling going into this one. And that's where that confidence boost kind of comes in, right? Because here, check out this. This is this is fun. This is fun here. Um, so uh, of teams in MLS, the points they've earned after trailing in the MLS season, the team with the most points earned after trailing at any point in the game is NYCFC. They've trailed 16 games. They've gotten 25 points. Atlanta United has trailed in 14 games. Joe, how many points do they have? Um, I feel like when this team goes down, it capitulates. I don't know. Um, 10. <laughs> Lower. Six. Lower. What? Wow. Uh, four. Lower. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two. <laughs> they have two. The only team with less that makes points sense. after trailing in this MLS season is Cincinnati, who have trailed in 23 <laughs> games. Wow. And have one point after trailing. That is true. The teams who have, I mean, besides every other team, the teams that are close, Chicago has five points after trailing in 17 games. Dallas, six points from 15. Sporting from seven points from 20. That's a... Uh, that's I mean, not it, good it makes sense. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I just went with 10 because I didn't want to like be disrespectful or whatever, but <laughs> that's crazy. It's amazing, right? It, yeah. it really showed itself. What game? It was the, that NYCFC game, man. Absolutely. They just, that was terrible. Like, I was just like so disappointed in the team 
to see them do that in that game. Exactly right. They just panic. They just kind of, they just freak out and they can't handle like not being in the lead sometimes. I don't know. You would just, you would just thought it would have happened enough times where like, you know, eventually they would learn from the situation and (laughs) keep their head about them. Well, they they, they seemed really encouraged again by just being able to hold on the lead and and continue to to build on that. They weren't trailing obviously against the revolution, uh, but that seemed to be the general the general feeling, which is really encouraging going into it. Um, again, a lot of that encouragement had to do with being getting healthy at the right time, which is something I talked about in the lead into the 2018 playoffs with how Garza was coming back and Nagby was coming back and everyone was good to go. We had a fully healthy squad going into that. It seemed very I similar forgot. this year, right? I, for, I forgot Nagby got hurt that year. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, it does feel that way, especially... Yeah. With Barco, man, I think it just seems to me like um, Atlanta United is a different team with and without Barco in the in the squad. You, right. you, when you think about all this team's best results, the best kind of moments they've had, whether it's U.S. Open Cup in Orlando or in the final. Um, I don't know. I could just think of so many great moments of this team, even the second half of LAFC when they kind of, you know, started to look good for the first time in a while. You, you know, I felt like that was because that was when Ezekiel Barco returned and he really offers this team in the attack something that I, like no other player has just his level of technique and um, it, in a way that's different from, P- I, I feel like Pitti's more like more about the techers, but he's going to fail a lot. And Barco mm-hmm. seems, just seems more secure on the ball and uh, allows this team to maneuver. I think, th- I think it allows the team to maneuver the way that Frank DeBoer wants in the final third, uh, which is why he's so important for this team. So which hopefully he's able to play 90 minutes. Right, which leads to a really interesting conundrum that also is very similar to last year's team, right? Uh, with you have a star player who you broke the MLS transfer record for, mm-hmm. but I say star in quotation marks, and that they're they're famous, maybe not the most productive, right? Uh, but you have a uh, <laughs> sorry, that was kind of mean. Uh, <laughs> you, but you have that player, and they end up being what Matt Doyle calls a $15 million human victory cigar, mm-hmm. right? Which like some people in Atlanta media thought that was disrespectful or whatever. One, it's hilarious. Two, it was spot on. <laughs> um, for, like it was absolutely true. I mean, you have, you have Zeke coming on at about the 87th minute of these games that Atlanta was winning to just kind of close things out and kind of be like, yeah, we know he's still here. Right. Yep. Um, yep. I love that. There was times last year where like, people were like giving him credit. Like he was really, really important for the win or like for the results for, to come on and run around in the last five minutes. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. he was more of a victory cigar than anything. Go ahead. So that being said, is PT Martinez, a $16 million human victory cigar. I think so. Right. I think he should be. <laughs> I think it may be the case, right? And it seems it seems insane to have that happen in back to back years. And it seems insane to think that that Emerson Heineman may be the one who who somewhat pushes him out of that role along with Barco, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I that's just crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> they're just too, to say it. They're they just 
they just make you more solid. Like those two players, having those two players together, you still get a lot of creativity between the two of them. You get a lot of really um, good, you know, both of those guys will want to play a little bit of a back heel and a, you know, a one, two and try to link up with Joseph. And we've seen some, both those guys have success in that way. You, you know, Emerson Hyman scored one of the great goals of the season in the Campionas cup that, that goal in, early in the game there was amazing. And I think it was, exactly the kind of stuff that Frank DeBoer wants to see from his team, like those kinds of those kinds of goals and that kind of interplay. And I think that when you have those two players in the lineup, you get a lot of that without a lot of the bad stuff that Pitti Martinez brings to the game with the way he loses possession of the ball when he tries the stuff. And he, like a, he, he's a guy who can do that kind of stuff too. I'm not saying that he can't do some of these other things, but I just feel like he brings a lot more <laughs> danger into the team sure. um, when when he's in the game. And I feel, I just feel like the team is more solid when he's not. Yeah. It seems that the mistakes were almost solely coming from the back line in the first game against the revs rather than the midfield. Right. And sometimes right. I think this year that the, the mistakes have come from the midfield for, for whatever reason. Right. Uh, but I think you're right in saying that it's, a, it's, it's certainly a less dangerous uh, to have Hyman in there. That may be because he almost, never gets on the ball from what we understand from our mm-hmm. favorite American soccer analysis. <laughs> but, but it's, it's interesting when he does actually get on the ball. Um, what we're seeing from, from people at ASA is that he's making positive things happen. Um, it's maybe not at the level that PT is, but it, the giveaways aren't there at the same level too. It's, it's weird for me. I'm not quite sure what the answer is, I think, I think a lot of people at the SS are firmly on, on Hunman's side at this point. I'm not sure if I'm there, yeah. but I yeah, get it. I, and I, I understand I, that watching from above in the press box, I, I thought things looked fluid in a mm-hmm. way that they really haven't at times this year with, with Hyman and Barco in there. I'm the same way where I'm not like set in stone with this opinion, but it's just, I, I just, after seeing that one game, it just felt right. Like, you know, it just felt, like the thing that you should do in a playoff format when, you know, in a one and done, you get a little bit more, you know, conservative, I guess. Uh, Tata Martino did something similar in the playoffs. You know, he moved, he used Julian Gressel as a center mid Franco Escobar as a right wing back. Um, I don't know. There's just something about it that feels right. And it gives you a great player coming off the bench too. If you have someone like Pitti coming off, like he can really make a difference in a game. Right, and, which uh, is where the, the human victory cigar kind of label goes away. Right, right, yeah. This year, right? Like, he's going to be a super sub. He's going to see significant minutes. Um, they're not, they're not going to keep him out the way they did Zeke last year. Um, I, I don't feel strongly on that opinion for the most part. I do think Hunman starts, but I'm not sure it's the exact right decision. I do feel relatively strongly about Jeff Lernowitz starting in place or Remedi for, for one game, yeah. a series of games here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that. I just think, and I don't know if it's, I don't think that it's like Jeff Lorenowitz is a better soccer player than Eric Rometty, you know, by all the measurements or whatever. But I just think that, I don't know if it's like a ability to communicate with, you know, Darling Nagby and players around him or, you know, I, I just keep on going back to this one conversation that we had with, uh, with Jeff Lorenowitz, um, it was after the Campionas Cup, and I was standing on the railing with um, with Doug Roberson of the AJC, and I think Chris Vermeister was there as well. And when Jeff came over, he was like one of the last ones we we talked to. When he came over, 
he, we chatted for a while and he talked about how this they made this small tactical tweak um, in midfield between he and Nagby. Um, it was based on the the formation that uh, that Club America was using in the game, and that it was like a little different than what they had prepared for. So Lorenowitz told Nagby, like, "Hey, like, you know, in these situations, you just like stay there, and I'm gonna be here." And uh, you know, and, and it was just like a little tweak. And what it did was it allowed Nagby to find tons of space. Um, basically, he would he basically told Nagby to stay forward. He was like, "Just I'll I'll stay behind you, but I'm not gonna come up and support you. You stay forward." Anyway. It was this small little thing, and I feel like maybe that's something that you lose when 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 he's not out there, and and you know you wonder if he if Nagby and Eric Rometty could have that same kind of conversation and and make that same little small adjustment that could be the make a big difference. You know, there's lots of like little things that happen in a game that's you can't really illustrate on like a chalkboard, you know, necessarily. Right. It's just like these things between players, and you wonder if it's there's just like a little bit better chemistry, a little bit better know-how and positioning and all that stuff when Lorenowitz is out there. We definitely know for a fact that Lorenowitz is, is better defensively than Rometty, uh, because Rometty just frankly isn't very good defensively. Um, you, you can look at that from a statistical perspective, and I think you can also just do it with the eye test if you really yeah. want to. You know? Uh, Any, and, I mean, with the eye test, he's just always on the wrong side of the ball, or he's on the wrong side of goal, like when, when his man is the ball. You know, he's just he always, he seems to be chasing it so often. That's right. That's right. And, and there are things that, of course, Remedy does better. You know, people talk a lot about his ability to kind of control pace and tempo and move the ball along, which which has its value, right? But I think in this midfield, uh, you have guys who can pick up the slack for that. I think Darlick and Abby can kind of pick up the slack for that. I think Emerson can kind of help string things along as well. It's not in the same way. It's maybe not going to be as effective in, in that regard. But I think as a whole, the unit just gets stronger, right, with, with Lorena what's in there. It, it's part of that midfield Voltron kind of thing. You want all of your, your pieces working together and not doing all the same things. You want it to form to be one giant robot uh, from an 80s cartoon show. Um, so, uh, And I think that's what you get yeah. with Lorena Witz. Yeah. Um, yeah. It adds to it anyway. I don't know. Maybe we're just yeah. racing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just similar. It, it's kind of hard to describe. I don't know. Just kind of similar with my feelings on on Heinemann and for Pitti. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it that just feels right to me. And I think the statistics back me up on that with the Loren- with regard to Lorenowitz. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, again, we have no idea what's going to go on with, with the back line, though. And to go back to that a little bit, it's something I wanted to touch on real quick with Escobar and Gressel kind of fighting for that right wing back position, right? Gressel had the game of his god dang life, I think, yeah. against the Revs from that right wing. You know, you, you had Miram on the left, and they really didn't bother going to him much. I think for some reason New England was okay with, you know, being tied on him and, and leaving some space for Gressel. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just able to open that up. And Gressel played some gorgeous balls. He scores. He grabs a couple assists. He had all the time in the world. And we, we've seen a lot, especially at home in Mercedes-Benz. When, when Gressel has time from that wing, it usually means good things are coming for Atlanta United in the game. Yeah, didn't it seem like the team was almost tactically trying to lull the uh, revolution to sleep and almost like like let them forget that Julian's out there and then like we'll let's just play with it on the left side and then eventually 
they'll they'll kind of squeeze over to that side eventually and uh and we can just then just uh spray it out to julian i felt like they just kept getting those situations where he was just in amazing amounts of space where he was able to do damage and let's not forget this is two great games in a row from him against montreal i thought he scored one of the goals of the season it was more is a team goal less than not just like the strike which was unlike the one he had against the revolution but great to see him in a good run of form going into this playoffs because we all know what kind of a difference maker he can be when he's in you know when he's in this kind of form he can be a game changer and i feel like i always feel like with any team that wins mls cup you have to have those kinds of game changers that are guys that aren't necessary you know they're not highly paid players and you know we all know the pay matters because you pay for talent essentially and uh and if you can get some of some great talent emerging from some of those lower pay spots, like like is the case with Gressel, it can be a huge difference. Yeah, no, I sorry, I, I had to check something real quick. Um, yeah, no, it, it can be a huge difference. Um, and you're right about Atlanta kind of shifting to the left a little bit and kind of opening things up for Julian. Um, you wonder though. With the game, when you're going back-to-back like this and it's single elimination, it's not like over two legs or anything like that, you wonder what kind of adjustments they're going to make to kind of counteract that and then what kind of adjustments Frank's going to make to to go counteract the counteraction, right? He yeah. talked a little bit after the game about the tactical setup of both teams and his remarks were that nobody was surprised. He literally said there were no secrets today, right? Hmm. Um, Everyone kind of knew exactly what was coming in this one. Everyone set up the same way. Everyone did exactly what was expected. And obviously we know the outcome of that, right? So if Bruce comes out and does the same thing again, and Frank does the same thing again, we're going to get the same outcome. I'm not putting it past either of these guys <laughs> come out and do that right it just be it just be surprising to an extent anyway yeah i i can totally see bruce arena doing something i don't know what it is because i'm not well enough versed in the revolution roster to make a call on that but i don't know if it would be a formation change or like doing something but i could totally see him just trying something crazy. We saw him do that when he took over the United States against Mexico. Um, he had run out his first few games in a, you know, whatever. I don't know if it was four, four, two, something pretty standard, whatever the U S had been running before. And then against Mexico in the hex, he trotted out like a five, three, two. It was that game where Bradley scored from like near midfield. And yeah. it worked really well. Like he totally stifled Mexico. Um, I don't know if it, well, I don't know. The United States really never used it again. I can't, rem- I don't think in the, in the hex, but you know, like I just feel like he's the manager who can pull something like that. So something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. No, Brad Gazan said that he is a guy who always has a trick up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. No he's like, might be, right? he's like, uh, he's like Mark D'Antonio who okay. will like have the fake punt ready. Like, you know, something's coming. You just don't know when you just don't know when. And the rest of that will be preceded by, three yard runs into the a gap <laughs> all before that. And then all of a sudden he'll do something insane and you, you won't understand why I like it. I like the comparison. They kind of look like alike a little bit too. Um, both very grumpy looking. I did notice um, uh, the revolution. Uh, they have some assistant that is like a, you know, 
six foot blonde, like like slender looking guy. Looks anyway, ju- looks just like Frank DeBoer, like from like side profile. If you didn't see his face, so mm-hmm. he's sure he's surely running as DeBoer on scout team. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. We made it what? I think 35 minutes for the college football reference that time. That's, that's good. That's really good. I definitely don't want to talk about college football, though, considering everything else going on. Um, let's see here. Anything else we kind of want to touch on? I, I, let's, let's definitively say this. What is it? Is it back four or is it back three to start? Back three. Back three of who? Um, good question. I think it'll be a back three of Pogba, LGP, and uh, actually, mm, yeah, Pogba, LGP, and uh, and Escobar. I think Escobar will be a start center back. I think I think Escobar starts. Yeah, um, you don't think there? You, you, you don't buy into uh, Teotl football's theory that we need Parker? <laughs> yeah, uh, to win this one, I do kind of buy into it. I do kind okay. of buy into it. This theory of playing. Escobar as the right wing back bring you bring Parky in next to him so you can have like a guy a faster guy and Escobar next to Parkhurst and play Julian uh, Gressel as a as a central midfielder like you did last uh, last postseason. I okay. don't think it'll happen, but I think I it would be interesting. That. So I, give me your reasoning for that. <laughs> um, basically, just to sure you up, so uh, you know along the back, same kind of similar reasons, Tata did something similar. You just, you know, you try to solidify along the back and you try to let Joseph and Barco go score goals. And you basically play Julian Gressel as like a ball winning midfielder. Hmm. I'm not sure. I believe in his ability to do that. (laughs) I'm just not sure. Um, I I mean, he he played, he played central midfield last year in the playoffs. He did. I I could see this working. I could see this working in New York and probably New York alone, right? Because you're not going to f- get Gressel into the wide areas on the Shea Stadium pitch, I guess is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's going to be tiny as well. You're not going to be able to get him there. Um, so let him play through balls from a different area and then try to fight for fight for ball recoveries and everything like that and, and see what happens, right? It, it's uh, not, okay. It's not going to happen. Like, Yeah. Tata is way more pragmatic than Frank DeBoer is like DeBoer is not going to all of a sudden be like, let's play offensive counterattack football and try and to win. I just don't think he's going to do that. I agree. And so to your point with miles, I think him going with, with a still very athletic back three with, with Pogba LGP and Franco that are essentially just free safeties out there, right? You know, they're mm-hmm. just kind of coming in and sweeping up as much as they can. And sometimes that leads to getting beat over the top or making mistakes or things like that and, and hoping the the speed and everything can kind of work out to, to recover rather than just, you know, sitting back and trying to be compact or anything like that. At least that's the yeah. sense I got against the revolution. Um, yeah. It's a huge loss not to have Miles back there who's clearly the best of them at doing that. Um, but... I, I don't think it's – it doesn't sound like that much of a drop-off, I guess, to an extent. What am I saying? Miles was probably it's, the best defender yeah. in the league this year. It's yeah. just how much will it matter over one game? You um, can envision any of those center backs that replace him having a really good game, or you can also envision it kind of being on the other end of the spectrum. Right. There's none of that steadiness that Miles brings, right? I, I think yeah. it's yeah. not on that we'll have to see we'll have to see um any other thoughts before we get out of here 
No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, we have a lot of uh, postseason talk to do, like, and with regards to who we we need to have a transfer episode, basically. Um, but that'll come after the season. When will the end of the season be, Jeff Patrick? How, how far are you feeling on this? Let's go ahead and like. Well, we're right before the yeah. playoff. Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, no one should be expecting this team to do what Tata's team did in the playoffs last year. And by that, I mean, go out there and don't give up a goal for the entire playoffs. Um, Or is that what happened last year? I can't even remember. Close. At New New York. At New York in like the 93rd minute. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not going to be this team. This team is going to be probably the games will be more entertaining, like, you know, more attractive stuff, but I think they're going to give up goals and I think they're going to score goals. So that's why I'm not feeling as confident about this team's chances to, uh, to win MLS cup. I think they'll just, they'll lose to New York city when they go play on a baseball field. If they get that far, but I think they will. What do you think? I think they get that far. Uh, I almost just want to flat out agree with you. Uh, on the end result there, but you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by how volatile things become with this, this single game format, right? Like I, I mm-hmm. wonder if we're going to get something insane in an in MLS cup rather than the, the LAFC and YCFC. We're all at least on paper expecting, right? Like, I just don't know. I just don't know anything could happen. Why not? Uh, but don't, don't set your expectations too high. Just be <laughs> be happy to be here or something like that. Um, I don't know. We can all start really complaining next year if things go similarly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think next year there will be much more reason to have complaints. So, yeah. I totally agree. Sweet. Just all in right. terms of the way the team plays. Exactly. Right. Like, especially if, if there's a full transfer window and everything like that. And right. It's still, it's still right. it's similarly disjointed and whatnot. Right. All right. Let's yep. get out of here. All right. We will, uh, we will catch y'all after the revolution game sometime, hopefully with good news. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's what's going on.